The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. My name is Mark Beck. Um, excited to be here with you this morning. Um, I, uh, many of you know Dan Radke. He and I work together at Teens for Christ, and that's one of the reasons I'm here this morning, because he knows me, and he was connected with you guys, and he shared with the church about me and my ministry, and they were excited about having me come and share. So um, who am I? What is my ministry? Well, um, right now, my family and I, uh, we live in Lakeland, just 20 minutes right across on Minnesota sides where I grew up. Uh, I love Minnesota. Wisconsin's great too. But, um, and uh, we have four kids. Our oldest is 12. Um, then we have a 10, 7, and a 5-year-old. Um, our 5-year-old's going on 15 right now. So life is great. Um, and uh, we've been doing ministry on and off for pretty much since college. So um, my wife and I had our first born in Cameroon, Africa when we were over Sees doing work there. Um, we were working with Wycliffe Bible Translators at the time. She was doing, um, we're doing support staff. So we were teaching the kids of the missionaries and support staff while we were there. She was teaching fifth and sixth grade. I was hanging out with the high schoolers doing ministry and building um, stuff and just hanging out doing things. When we came back, um, we lived up north for a number of years. And in the process of doing that, we we started doing something that the Lord had planted on my heart in college. And that was a a vision that the Lord had given me through the story of Josiah. Um, Josiah was a king, and he was a king. His his grandfather was like a horrible guy. He was Manasseh. He did a lot of horrible, awful things. And one of the things that happened to Manasseh, and I think it's fascinating, is 55 years of reigning, and he had done one of the, some of the worst things of any kings in all of uh, Israel's history. And yet, at the end of his life, God sent him into exile and he repented. And he came back and God's like, yeah, I forgive you of your sins. And God had forgiveness on him. Well, his son didn't follow his footsteps. His son was like, I don't care about God. And he lived for about two years. And Josiah became king when he was eight years old. I think Josiah saw that and was like, okay, I don't know too much But this Yahweh guy, I want to follow and serve him and live for him. So he did. And as he's growing up, he's like, yeah, let's renovate the temple. Let's serve the Lord. Let's do all these wonderful things for God. And so he's 20 years old, um, a little bit older, and uh, they're renovating the temple, and the guy comes back with this report. And he's like, yeah, we fixed this, and we paid money for that. And oh, by the way, we found a book. And they read the book to the king. And this is the first time in Josiah's life that he's encountered God's word. He had heard about God. He had known about him, but he had never heard what God had to say. And when he heard it for the first time in his life, he's like, we're in trouble. And he responds with repentance. And he's like, God, what should we do? And so then God's like, good job. That, uh, that's what I was looking for. That's what I was wanting. I'm not going to destroy you. I'll destroy your children. Um, but Josiah's like, Okay, and then Josiah calls all of the people together, young and old, rich and poor, and, just, and he, what does he do? He reads the book to them. 
And as I read that story, I saw a picture, and the picture is uh, um, a convergence of two things. One is the Word of God, and the other is a willing heart. And when those two pieces come together, that is all you need for reformation, for revival, for an encounter with God. And as I was in college reading through the Old Testament, I read this story and I was like, that's so cool. I want to do that. And God's like, okay, go do that. Go stand in front of chapel and read the Bible to those who are going in. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure I want to do that. But he's like, go do that. And so I did, and I did that for about a year, and nothing came of it really that I could see, but what it happened is it stirred in me desire for God's word, and it connected me with other people who also loved his word, and it got me some attention with the um, higher-ups at Northwestern, because that's where I went to college, and they were a little concerned about what I was going to do and what Mark going to do next, and we're not sure about these things. And so as I was processing through with one of them, he's like, how about we give you a chapel, and you just read the Bible in chapel to those who were there? And I'm like, cool, we can do that. And that's what started all of this, was that opportunity. Uh, we read the Bible, in fact, we memorized it, because we're like, That'd be way cooler, right? Instead of just reading it, um, it'd be cooler if we had it memorized. So we memorized it, and everyone loved it. And we're like, okay, what are we going to do from here? Um, the other thing that we did at Northwestern that was really powerful is we had this thing called tentative meeting. A tentative meeting was simply a tent because we couldn't find a room that we could have for a week because everything's booked forever. And we just set up the tent, and we came up with a, like a schedule from 8 o'clock in the morning till midnight. And we wanted to have at least one person in the tent for that whole time, and that person was simply going to read the Bible. And we're going to start in Genesis 1, and we're going to see how far we go. And so we did that for a week, and uh, we read through the whole Bible in one week as a community on campus. And it was powerful. And the first year we did it, there was like 20 or 30 of us, and I was in the tent alone for about 20 hours that week. The next year we did it, there was like 80 of us. And there was probably one hour that entire week where I was alone in the tent by myself. And the majority of the time, there was like five, six, seven, eight people all reading the word together out loud as a community and trying to hear what God had to say to them. And really, that's the goal of all of this. The goal of all of this isn't necessarily for me to recite God's word to you. The goal of all of this is so that you like, that's really cool. I want to hear what God has to say. And for you to hear the word and for you to say, God, what do you want me to do? And my job is simply to say, hey, here's what God has said. And also just to help us to like bring some life into this book. Because so much of the time as we read this book, it's coming from up here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? It becomes like this, this rote, this repetition, this kind of sing song up and down where you'll probably experience this today as we read through James. God is angry. He's excited. He's frustrated. He's passionate. He loves us. And, and those things should come out as we read his word, right? It's not this 
impassionate, you know, kind of distant, aloof person. He loves us with a passion and he wants us to live for him. And sometimes he's angry and sometimes he's frustrated and sometimes he just, he's overwhelmed with joy and those things can come out through that. So that's one of the things that I can bring to this, not necessarily adding to the word, but letting it speak for itself. This morning, we're going to be going through the book of James. Um, Sometimes I'm confused because people are like, I love James. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Because James walks up to you and he slaps you in the face. And he's like, what are you doing with your life? James doesn't pull any punches. He's very blunt. His theology is so like uncomfortable, I think is the right word for it. It's uncomfortable because it doesn't really match up. Like Paul's theology is sometimes like complicated. He's overwent, like does things, but he's like, yeah, grace, you know, faith, grace, all these things. James like, you need works, people. Like, are you doing works? No. Do you have faith? Probably not. If you're not working, like that's uncomfortable. You get called adulterous people multiple times. Like, so James, I I think people love it because sometimes we need that bluntness, that honesty, right? You have people in your life who like tell you all a bunch of nice things. You're like, oh, I love you, whatever. Just tell me the truth, okay? Just, Just let me have it. Sometimes we in the Midwest are a little uncomfortable with that kind of bluntness, that, that Southern or that, you know, uh, East Coast kind of just, I'm just going to tell you how it is, but it's good. And sometimes that, it's refreshing to experience that. And that's what James brings to us. He's, he's very just honest about our lives, about what it means. And so that's, that's what James has to bring to us um, this morning. A couple of pieces as I go through this recitation for you guys. One, don't try to hold on to every little moment, okay? It's like a shot glass in a waterfall. You can't take it all in, okay? There's, just, there's a lot that's going to be coming at you. Um, I'll try to slow down because that's what I, I get um, critiques of. I speak fast. I get excited. I get passionate. Um, but also, if, you, if you're like, oh, I'm going to sit here and think about this, then you're going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. But also, that's okay, okay? You're not going to be able to take in everything. So take in what you can, try to listen and hear, um, but also just let it wash over you in the sense of just, just be in it and let the Lord take you into a moment to think about something extra and then come back and engage with it. Um, the second is try to be listening for what God has to say for you this morning, right? And certainly there's a point of teaching and preaching and, 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 and bringing that truth to us, but a lot of times um, we know in our hearts what God has for us to say, right? As we're hearing something, multiple people are hearing, this person's like, oh, that was for me. Another person say, that was for me, okay? Um, but in that process, be looking at yourself. Because the temptation, especially in this book, is like, I hope this person hears this. I hope that person hears this, right? For me, there's a passage, part at the end of James. He's talking about rich people. Um, and he's like condemning them. And he's like, I want you to repent. I want you to weep and howl. 
Your, your, your riches are rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, am I the rich person? And, and as I, like, just thinking about it, I'm like, probably not. Because they're, like, withholding wages from the laborers, and they're injustice, and they're killing people. I'm like, that's not me. Okay. However, there's a line in there. It says, you have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. And I'm like, oh, that is me. I, I do live that way, not all the time, but like I have those inclinations. So maybe, maybe I don't meet all of the qualifications of a rich person that needs to weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon me. But also I need to take, take a moment and say, maybe I'm more like them than I want to think. Maybe this passage does have something to say to me in my life because of the way I live luxuriously and in self-indulgence. And those things lead to this kind of lifestyle and that kind of storing up treasure that's going to get burned. So as you hear this book, don't be like outwardly thinking about, oh, I hope this other person hears it or this or like this applies to this person. Be thinking introspectively. What is it that God wants me to hear from this book? Okay? Also then, what we're going to do with that, when I'm done reciting, I'm actually going to sit down for two minutes. During that time, I want you to just try to solidify in your mind what God had for you to hear today. So that might be opening up your Bible and highlighting that verse or those things that the Lord said to you. It might be closing your Bible and praying and saying, what God, what do you want for me to do? And try to just like hold on to those one or two things that the Lord said to you this morning. Then, when I get after that two minutes, I'm going to have you guys turn to each other and share with one another for a couple of minutes what God had for you so that as a community we can share what did the Word say to us this morning. After that, I'll come up, say a couple of closing comments, um, and then we'll pray and be done. Okay? You guys excited? Yeah. Nervous? Weird? We don't know what to do with this. Guys, this is the Word of God. This is written thousands of years ago. But really, it's alive, and it's for us today. And as I read this book, what I do want to say is from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is what James wrote to dispersed brothers. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of grass, grass, you will fade away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat. It withers the plants. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, with whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers, Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing... A gold ring and fine clothing comes in your assembly, and a poor man wearing shabby clothing also comes in. If you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good spot, well, you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that God promised to those who loved him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Besides this, are not the rich the ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you off into court? Are not the rich the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really keep the royal law, according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing a sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For he who keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point has become accountable of all of it. For he who said, you should not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, 
and so act as those who are going to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy against the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says they have faith but have no works? Can that faith save them? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is it? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And someone will say to you, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish persons, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not our father Abraham justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith was active along with his works, and his faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way also was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she welcomed the spies and sent them off in another direction. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. But if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle also his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, that they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is set among our members, uh, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of bird and beast of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Can a spring pour forth from the same opening both salt and fresh water? Can a grapevine produce olives or a fig tree uh, grapevine produce figs, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise? Who is understanding among you? By his good deeds, let him show his works in the humility of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, 
and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness will be sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes fights? What causes quarrels among you? Is it not this? that your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly, so you might spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell within us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it also says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn, and wail. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. For he who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy it. And who are you? To judge your brother. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in the last days. Behold, 
the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you held back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your own heart in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous man. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the later rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, lest you too be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke the word of the Lord. Behold, we consider them blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And above all, brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, lest you fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you glad? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord, and prayer of faith will save the sick person. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him and God will raise him up. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner back from their wandering will save his soul from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. From the mouth of God to the hearts of his people, the book of James. So now, what I want you to do, just take two minutes What is it that God wanted you to hear from this book this morning? Now, what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor. If you don't know their name, ask them their name. Um, and just share. What is, it, what is it that the Lord had for you this morning? Or what is it something, hey, this verse, I really enjoyed this verse. doesn't have to be something super spiritual and big, but just like, I really like this or whatever. So just take a couple minutes and uh, share with one another, and then I'll wrap up here in a little bit.
So let me, uh, I'm going to interrupt you guys and move on a little bit, but encourage you guys to keep up those conversations, um, not just here today, but just, it's so good to, to share with one another um, what the Lord has taught us and learned, what we've learned. And um, there's a, uh, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, it says, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And the book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possessions. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves with him. Then once more you shall see the, the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Um, in Acts... Stephen is giving his speech before the, the Sanhedrin, and at the end of it, he says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand, those who announced the coming of the Holy One whom you have now betrayed and murdered, right? And the question that he asked there is super significant. You think through the prophets. They spoke the word of the Lord. Whoever responded, and people are like, Jonah, they responded. Yeah, they weren't Israelites. They weren't the people of God. Right? And the overall, the, the prophet, it, they, they, they reject it, right? And you read through um, the Old Testament, God over and over says, I spoke and no one listened. I looked and there was no one around me who would hear what I have to say. They would offer to me sacrifices and offerings and worship. And he's like, I don't want any of that. What is it that I want? I want when I speak for people to hear what I have to say and to do something with it. He says in Isaiah 66, heaven is my throne. The earth is a footstool for my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, and where shall be the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things and so all of them came to be, this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Brothers and sisters, this is what God has for us. Not even, I think, the, the idea that I'm going to fully obey God and be perfect in my works and my obedience and all these things. No, it's that your heart hears God's word and is humbled by it and says, what do you want me to do? God responded to Josiah, not necessarily even to his obedience, but because of his broken heart when he heard God's word and he saw his own life and said, they don't match up. And even in James, as it says, talks about doers of the word and hearers of the word. It gives this picture, and we, we all kind of understand this picture. It's like you're looking in a mirror, right? And you look in a mirror, and you see something wrong. And all of a sudden, your kid downstairs says, Mom, the toast is burning. You're like, oh my gosh. You go downstairs, you, you forget about the thing on your face. Your hair's all crazy, whatever. You didn't fix the thing in the mirror, right? And so we're like, okay, I get that analogy. So like the the, the point is, I look in the mirror and I stare really hard so I can remember, so when I go away, I can remember what it looks like. And I think that's the wrong response. The right response is, I'm going to go back to the mirror as often as I can so that it continually helps me see right here, right now, what I need to do, right? The, the, the encouragement isn't Look really hard and remember. No, it's go back and look again. Go back and look again. Go back and look again with a heart of saying, God, what do you want to reveal about me? And don't even go in with, God's going to show something bad about me. 
okay? Because that certainly can be something, like in James especially, where it's like a gut check, a little bit of a, oh my gosh, I need to change. However, sometimes God wants to encourage us. Sometimes God, God wants us to say, I love you. I made you. I know you. Be encouraged. Don't give up. Even at the end of James, he's like, guys, don't give up hope. You're being killed by these rich guys. All these horrible things are happening. God is standing at the door. Your judge is standing at the door, ready to vindicate you for being like Job. Persevere. Don't give up. Hold on to the end. So don't go in with the preconceived notion that God is somehow always going to break you and be like all these horrible things. But just go in saying, what do you want for me to hear today? And then asking the question of, what am I supposed to do with that? That's what God loves. That's what God wants. And that's what he's looking for. Today, if you hear his, heart, his voice, do not harden your heart. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this book. God, this book... It really is challenging, uncomfortable. But Lord, it is so good. Lord, when we have that friend who loves us enough to tell us the truth, who doesn't pander, you know, say all of these good things, they say the things, and better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. God, we, we acknowledge that this morning. We thank you for the way in which you love us enough to speak the truth. Lord, and I pray for us this morning here, um, and not just this morning, but as we go into the week, God, that we would go back to the mirror again and again and say, God, what is it that you have for me to hear today? And how can I listen and then do what you have for us, God? Be with us, Lord. We thank you. We praise you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.